Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, right-hand gal, and co-host on the show. And you're amazing because you've made it to our season three finale. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we talk about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. And at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. And we're here at the end of the season. This is our grand finale cook-along. If you haven't listened back to season three and are just joining us today, maybe consider going back and listening to our episodes in order. They just talk all about each ingredient we'll be using in this recipe, and you get to guess week after week what the recipe will be. So there's some spoilers here if you haven't listened. Well, this whole episode is a spoiler, really. I mean, the show is called Mystery Recipe, and today we are going to cook the mystery recipe. So uh, go back and listen. Today, we are going to walk through every step of our third season's mystery recipe. I highly encourage you to cook right along with this episode. We designed it so that you can listen and cook in real time. That's right. So that means you're probably in your kitchens right now. And you might be there with your grown-up. Hi, grown-up! You also might have all the ingredients and equipment laid out and ready. Let's, let's wave hi! Hi, equipment! Hi, ingredients! Hi, Cousin Oven Mitts! In case you missed it, in our last bonus episode, we invited our official ingredient guesser, Henry, back to help us put all the pieces together from Season 3. He helped us figure out that today's recipe will be the delicious... Spoiler alert! Just in case they missed it, here's your last chance to save yourself from being spoiled! Spoiler alert! Okay, at this point, it's on them if they're still listening... Henry helped us figure out that today's recipe will be the Chicken Tinga Tacos from America's Test Kitchen Kids. In our most recent bonus episode, we also talked through what equipment and ingredients we'll be working with today. So if you haven't listened, you may need to hit the grocery store before cooking with us. In that episode, we also recommended you print out our chicken tinga taco recipe just so you can have all the instructions and measurements close at hand. Even just having it pulled up on a computer or a phone will help. You can find this full recipe at atkkids.com slash chicken tinga tacos. Today, we are in our special recipe lab studio where we have a full kitchen to work with. We are going to be teaching this recipe to all of you and to Greg. Don't feel rushed. We have built-in spots to pause the episode and make sure everyone has time to complete each step. You can also pause anytime you want. Even if we don't exactly tell you to, there's no rushing in the kitchen. Everyone cooks at their own pace. And this is a bit of a long episode. It might take up to an hour to complete, so just make sure you're prepared to spend some time cooking tonight. All right. Before we get started, let's all do a quick kitchen dance to our theme song. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. 
crazy. I did not know that. Mystery recipe. All right. Always good to start our finale cook-alongs with a little kitchen dance. Now then, are we ready to get started? Are we missing anything? Just a cheese grater. Well, we won't be grating any cheese for this recipe, Mitzi, unless you at home want to top your tacos, in which case, feel free. No, not just any cheese grater, Molly. It's me! Hi, friends. Greg, welcome to the studio, Greg. It's great to see you. Greg! Hi, Greg! Welcome to your big day! Yep. It's the last day of my internship, and I have come prepared to really hit a home run with this recipe, if I'm being honest. Amazing. So, Greg, what is the first thing to do before we start any recipe? Wash our hands. Yes! Let's all go ahead and wash our hands right now. That means you at home, too. Hi, listeners! So listen, I know we're pretty close at this point. I mean, we've been friends for like three seasons and everything, but I feel like I hardly know you, you know? While we're here washing our hands, why don't you tell me your name? What's your name? I don't know if I can hear you. Sorry, over the noise from the sink. One more time. Eh, no, I, I couldn't hear you, but hey, that's fine. I'll ask again later. For now, it's time to keep on cooking. We can stop now. All right, nice work. Nice work, young chefs. Now, before we get cooking, let's take a minute to make sure we have all the ingredients we'll need. Here are the ingredients we'll be working with today. Don't worry about measurements yet. We'll have time to measure everything out in a moment. We just want to make sure that you have what you'll need close at hand. Try to see if you can tap each item as we call it out. Cinnamon. Vegetable oil. Three garlic cloves. One onion. Salt. Ground cumin. Smoked paprika, chipotle chili powder, one eight ounce can of tomato sauce, one and a half pounds of boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Grown-ups, make sure the chicken is thawed. One lime, eight to ten six-inch corn tortillas. If you're using a vegetarian alternative to chicken for the recipe, you could either use one and a half pounds of cremini mushrooms trimmed and sliced or two 14-ounce cans of jackfruit packed in water. And for our equipment, today we recommend having these items ready to use. Large saucepan with lid, wooden spoon, tongs, oven mitts, cutting board, two forks for shredding, rasp grater, six small mise bowls, microwave-safe plate, dish towel, measuring spoons, butter knife, dry measuring cup, chef's knife, Citrus juicer, if you have one, can opener, and serving plates. You may also want some toppings for your tacos. 
Things like pickled red onions, cheese, sour cream, all of that would be great, but it's totally up to you. And we'll be using a stovetop in our microwave today, so no need to preheat the oven. Honestly, I am just so excited, I can't wait to start cooking. Well, you don't have to. It's time for us to begin. Ready, Greg? Ready. How about you young chefs at home? Are you ready to get started? Great. Now that we have everything we need, it's time to start this recipe with a mise en place. Greg, do you know what that is? I do. A mise en place is a French phrase that means set up and is all about having all your ingredients measured out and organized before you start cooking. A mise en place is helpful because you have everything measured out and ready to add. So when you start cooking, you aren't looking for your measuring spoon or trying to dice up an onion while your pan is already hot. Ah, A stressful scenario. Ah, Let's mise our ingredients. Call me mise de mise en place. Yeah, Greg. I love you, buddy. All right, Greg. I'll let you do most of the work here. And listeners, if there's a task we think the grown-ups might be more equipped to handle, we'll let you know. But your young chefs can really do most of the work on this recipe. I feel like I'm ready for this. You and me, young chefs, let's do this. Let's start by measuring two tablespoons of vegetable oil. You can add that to this mise bowl here. All right, let's do it. I'm going to grab my tablespoon measuring spoon here, and I'll pour some vegetable oil into it. So that's one tablespoon. That's perfect, Greg. Great. And I'll do that again. So that's two tablespoons of vegetable oil. All set. Nice work, Greg. We have our first ingredient measured and ready to go. Next up, let's do our spices. Now, we can put all of these spices into the same small dish for our mise, since we'll be adding them in at the same time. Aww, so they get to kind of hang out and get to know each other a bit first? Sort of, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Let's start off with the cinnamon. Greg, can you measure a quarter teaspoon of ground cinnamon? I most certainly can. Wow, this quarter teaspoon measuring spoon is truly tiny and adorable. Okay, I'm going to use the dip and sweep method of measuring dry ingredients. A pro. And what is that method of measuring, in case our listeners don't already know it? Well, I'm going to take my measuring spoon here and dip it into the cinnamon. I'll get sort of a heaping pile on here, and then I'll use the back of a butter knife or a fork to sweep the excess off. Perfect. Here's the small mise bowl we can use to hold the spices until we're ready. Wonderful. Thank you, Molly. Lovely. You're doing great. Same to you, young chefs. I mean, we'll get to the super fun stuff in a bit, but measuring our ingredients is a very important first step. Next up is a half teaspoon of smoked paprika. Okay, great. Whoa, this stuff smells smoky. How about yours at home, young chefs? Can you smell the smoked paprika too? Don't take too big of a whiff. It's some serious stuff. Here's a little bitty dip and a tiny little sweep. And we have half a teaspoon of smoked paprika ready to go. Let's add that to the mise bowl with our cinnamon. Nicely done. Next up, we have one teaspoon of salt. Salt being measured 
It's a teaspoon. It's a sweep. And it's in the measball with our other spices. Should we give them like a question or something to help them get to know each other in there? You know, something to help break the spice. Eh, eh? <coughs> spices. If you could be either a pirate or a ninja, what would you be and why? There, that should uh, get things going in there. Excellent spice breaker, Mitzi. Thank you. Ah, I want to know your answer, too, when we're done here. Spoiler, I would be a ninja, so I could use my sneaking stealth powers to not wake up Oliver when I get home late. Ah. Amazing. All right, Greg. Next up, it's one teaspoon of ground cumin. All righty. Pirate or ninja ground cumin? Oh, don't tell me. Save it for the spice mise bowl. One teaspoon dip. Ooh, one teaspoon sweep. And into the spice mix you go. I like to imagine they're all friends in there. What if they start a band? Like the Spice Girls. They were all spices, right? Sure. There was Ginger. Uh-huh. And Scary. And who? And Baby. Baby? That is not a spice. Yeah. Maybe they weren't actually spices. Great music, though. All right. One spice left, Greg. It's time for the Chipotle chili powder. This one will help decide how spicy your tinga will be. So, listeners, if you want just a little spice, add an eighth of a teaspoon here. If you want medium or regular spice, add a quarter teaspoon. And if you are just feeling daring and want to turn up the heat just a little, you can try adding more. That's what I love about home cooking, Molly. You can really make it exactly like you want to and learn what you like and don't like the more you try different things. Exactly. All right, for our recipe, Greg, let's do a medium spice. So that would be a quarter teaspoon of chipotle chili powder. Quarter a teaspoon it is. Let's do a little bitty dip here and a tiny little sweep there. And the spice mixer is complete. I hope you all build some lasting connections in their spices. Happy networking. Awesome. So, Greg, let's just do a bit to prep our tomato sauce. We don't need to put it in a mise bowl, but let's use a can opener to open the can. Care to do the honors, Greg? Why, thank you, Molly. All right, let's see. Clamping it on there and uh, uh, doing the twist and twisting it and twisting it. And we're twisting. It's a little can, but it's a lot of twisting. And almost there. Oh, there we go. Can is open. Perfect. Thank you, Greg. Be careful with that lid, folks. That will have a sharp edge on it. Okay, so these next two ingredients are going to have a little prep work involved. One of these, though, Greg, you already know how to prep. Oh, that must be garlic. Exactly right. So, Greg, we are going to peel and mince three cloves of garlic. How should we go about doing that? Well, let's see. I've got my three cloves here. I'm going to grab this measuring cup here, but anything with a flat bottom will do. And I'll put it on top of a clove of garlic and press down, and that should crush the garlic. Nice work. It looks like it did the trick. Yes, I'll take the peel off the garlic now, and voila! Great. So now that your clove is peeled, let's peel two more cloves. Okie dokie. We are going to take our second clove and we'll smush it. And we'll peel it. Peeling. 
Please stand by. Peeled. And one left. Smush. And peel. All right. Three cloves are peeled. Excellent. Nice work. Now that the cloves are peeled, next you're going to mince the garlic. We'll mince all three at the same time. Put one hand on the handle of the chef's knife, and then rest the fingers of your other hand on top of the blade. And using a rocking motion, pivot the knife as you chop the garlic repeatedly, cutting it into very small pieces. You'll want to run the knife across it a few times so you're left with tiny pieces. We don't want you to get distracted while using a knife. So we're going to play some jams here while you keep on mincing. All right, and mincing. Mince, mince, mince. Chop, chop, chop. Mince, chop, mince, chop, mince, chop, chop. Mince, mince, chop, chop. Mince, mince, chop, chop. Mince, chop, mince, chop, mince, chop, chop. Mince, mince, chop. We are all out of mincing music. If you aren't quite done mincing your garlic, feel free to hit pause here and hit play again when your garlic is good to go. How's your garlic looking, Greg? It is minced and ready to go. Let's add it to its own mise bowl here. There we go. And now on to the next ingredient. That's right. Next up, we are going to be dicing an onion. Greg, how about I show you how to do this first half, and then you can do the second half. Sound good? If I'm being honest, sounds great. And listeners, you may want to start by having the grown-ups prep our onion a bit. First thing you want to do is trim the top of the onion, the bit at the top where all the crinkly skin meets at the opposite end of the root, like a little onion ponytail. Once that top is trimmed off, cut the onion in half through the root end. Once the onion is cut in half, peel the crinkly outer skin off so we have just the yummy white onion left. Now's a good time to pass things back to your young chef if they already have a little experience with a knife. And if you want to see this technique while I explain it, you can go to atkkids.com onions to see photos in our article, How to Chop an Onion. Back in season one's Onion Week, we learned all about how to hold an onion using the bear claw. To use the bear claw, place your onion halves flat side down on the cutting board. Now, curl your fingers in and under so your knuckles are pointing out. It's called the bear claw because it looks like you're making a paw. Bear claw, both safe and ferocious. Exactly! Mostly just safe, though. In this case. <laughs> All right, listeners, grab the half onion with your bear claw so the onion's secure on the cutting board and your fingers are out of the way of the knife. You'll place the onion so the root end is facing away from you. Starting about one inch away from the root end, you're going to make vertical cuts down the onion, leaving the last inch on the root end uncut. That's going to keep all these vertical slices together. So you should be making these vertical slices all the way across the onion, leaving that last inch by the root end intact. Take a minute for this part. We don't want to distract you while you're using a sharp knife. So here's some music to help you concentrate.
If you're still making your vertical slices, you can hit pause here and hit play again once you're done. Now, spin the onion so the root end is facing away from your preferred hand. If you're a righty, the root end faces the left. If you're a lefty, it faces the right. Make sure you still have your bear claw. You're going to start making vertical slices across the whole onion. These should be going across your first cuts and will make the onion split into pieces as you cut it. This is a quick and easy way to dice an onion. Keep making those slices across your first cuts and your half an onion should be diced in no time. Once you finish with your first half of the onion, repeat these steps for the second half. Greg, do you want to try and dice the second half here? You know what? I do, Molly. All right, remember bear claw your fingers. Uh, like this? Exactly. Good job. So remember, the first thing you do with the second half is cut down, making vertical slices. You don't need to go all the way through to the end. You want to leave a little bit of the onion at the root end so it doesn't fall apart. That way you can hold it together to make little small cubes. Exactly. All right, now you flip the onion so it's lengthwise, keeping that bear claw, and you go down and through the vertical slices. It makes a really satisfying sound. Crunches. Aw, Molly, uh, these slices aren't very neat and tidy. They're kind of all different sizes. That's totally fine, Greg. I think one of the most important things to remember as you're cooking is that if you make mistakes, it doesn't matter. It'll still be delicious in the end. And I think that's one of the best ways to learn. If you can do everything perfectly, there's nothing left for you to learn. And learning is my favorite. Me too. Besides, I don't think I've ever done a recipe perfectly myself. Me neither. Okay, great. Now, if your pieces feel a little bit uneven, just run your knife through it at the end. And they definitely don't need to all be the same size because we're going to be cooking them as part of the tinga and they're going to cook down. This looks great, Greg. Really nice work. I think that you nailed the onion chopping. So let's put it in a bowl. Okay, onions get their own mise bowl. You know, these onions are starting to make me cry. Me too, Greg. That'll go away pretty quickly, though. Don't worry. All right. Once you've finished, take a moment to either compost or throw away the ends of the onion and your crinkly skin. It helps when you can clean up as you go during a recipe. If you aren't done dicing your onion, feel free to hit pause here. If you're having any trouble with this step, be sure to head to atkkids.com onions for some photos that may help. What's next, Molly? Next up, we are going to prep our lime. Listeners, we are going to use both the zest from the slime and its juice. And so we'll need our cutting board clear, a rasp grater, and a small bowl for this step. Okay, Molly, let me just get this all set here. So we have our onions and garlic in their own little mise bowls. Our cutting board is cleared off. Here's the rasp grater. Here's a lime. And let's get to it. Great. All you have to do is rub the lime lightly against the rasp grater to remove the colored zest. It's easiest, listeners, to rest the tip of the grater on the counter or a cutting board to keep it stable. And remember to turn the fruit as you go to avoid the bitter white layer underneath the zest. As I am turning the lime, you can see patches of the white pith exposed where I've grated away the green zest. We'll give you a little bit of zesting music while you work.
All right, we've got a pile of green, flaky, fluffy zest on my cutting board. I'm going to gather it all up here. Perfect. We don't need all of it, though. Just one teaspoon of zest. Great. I'll just measure out a teaspoon of zest here, then. And, okay, this looks good. Me's bowl awaits. Perfect. For this recipe, we're going to use both the zest and the juice from a lime. So next up, let's juice this lime. To juice, we'll first place your lime on a cutting board and cut it in half crosswise. That means through its equator, not through the ends. I'll use a citrus juicer for this part. If you don't have a juicer, though, you can just squeeze the juice out of the lime with your hands. Just make sure you catch it all in a small bowl so we can use it in our recipe. All right, I'm going to use my juicer here on the first half of the lime and squeeze it over this small bowl, really trying to get all the juice I can out. Whew, there we go. And here's the second half. Juicing and juicing. Here we go. Great. I'm going to measure this out real quick. We only need one tablespoon of lime juice. This looks like one tablespoon. We've zested and juiced this lime now, Molly. Is that our final ingredient for this mise en place? Pretty much. We're also going to be using 8 to 10 corn tortillas, and we're going to be cooking our chicken thighs, so just double-check that those are thawed. But otherwise, we are good to go. Our mise en place is en place. It is indeed great work. So, Greg, what do you say we move along and start combining our ingredients? Sounds good to me. Great. Let's start by grabbing our large saucepan and putting it on the stove over medium heat. Okie doke. Pan is on the burner, and we're turning it on to medium heat. Great. Now let's pour in our two tablespoons of vegetable oil, and we'll let that heat up for about a minute. Mitzi, can you pass me the oil, please? Here you go, Greg. And oil is heating 59, 58, 57, 56. You don't need to count, Greg, but thank you. I'll let you know when we've hit a minute. So, now what? Well, now we just wait. Listeners, we're going to look for that oil to shimmer. It should be hot, but not smoking. Okie dokie. Just kind of waiting. Sort of awkward. Uh-huh. Oh, I was trying to get the listeners to tell me their name during our hand-washing section. Maybe now's a good time to try again? I don't think that's really how this works, Mitzi. They can hear us, but we can't hear them. Huh. I mean, I knew that. I just figured since we were sort of doing the same thing right now, maybe it would be different. But that, that sort of gives me an idea. An idea? Well, let's hold that thought for now. It's been about a minute. How's our oil looking, Greg? I think it's ready, Molly. It's shimmering, but not smoking. Great. Well, then let's add in our onions. All right. I'm going to be careful so the oil doesn't splash on me, because it's very hot. And I'll just drop these onions in here. Ooh, a very nice sizzle. Yes, and it's going to start smelling super great in here, too. So, Greg, we're going to let these cook for about five minutes until they're lightly browned. And we want to stir them occasionally so they cook evenly. So why don't you grab that wooden spoon and give them a stir now? Try and get them all coated in the oil and spread them out on the pan just a bit. There we go. They are already smelling great, Molly. 
You said to stir occasionally. How often is occasional? Well, we'll play this sound every minute. So give your onions a quick stir whenever you hear it. Well, we have about four minutes left, Molly. What do you think we should do? Mitzi, you said the fact that our listeners can't respond back to us gave you an idea. What were you thinking? I was thinking I could spend a little more time getting to know our listeners better. I really just want to get their names. Here, it's a bit loud in this room, but listeners, let's go for a walk, shall we? So, listeners, now that we are somewhere a little more quiet, how about you tell me your name? What is that beautiful sound? Sorry. One second, listeners. Okay, well, he's really getting into it right now. I don't really want to interrupt. Here, let's try this door. I don't actually know where this goes, but maybe it'll be a little quieter. So, listeners, here. What? A boat room? This is a boat room? Why do we even have one of these? Ah, Here's another door. Oh my goodness, we keep bees in here? How amazing, but far too loud, sorry. Let's keep going. Gotta take some honey first. Oh, nope, never mind. Excuse me, bees, not gonna do that. Ah, I don't understand. Follow me, listeners, this way. You're all very talented. Keep up the good work, yodelers. Yikes! Watch out! Ah, This way! Okay, hi, everyone. Uh, uh, I guess it's my turn. Okay. My name is Mitzi, and I'm here to say I want to learn my friend's name, but podcasts don't work that way. If you'll excuse me, this room's a little bit loud, but I hope that these bars would make Molly proud. All right. Thank you. Let's put while we're ahead here, listeners. Come on. Nope. Yeah. Uh, hold your breath, I think. Whew. Okay. I think we're set here. Although it's very dark. Let me just find a light switch in here. Look out! Why is there a lion in here? Ah! Uh, forget it! Run, run, run! Back the way we came, quickly! Uh, gotta head this way. Nope, under that way. The door. Uh, that door. <laughs> okay, come this way. Nope, under here. Uh. Hi again! Love my fans! I'm here today because of you! Ooh, over here! <laughs> Gotta go! Still very talented! No one knows what it's like. Oh, Mitzi! Uh, Mitzi, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Chad! Chad, did you know there was a lion here in one of our conference rooms? Uh, yeah, you mean past the whale room? Yes! Yeah. That's the lion room. We don't go in there. There's a sign. Mitzi, what are you doing back here anyway? Well, I was just trying to find a quiet place so that our listeners could tell me their names. Listen, Mitzi, that's not how this works. They can hear us, but we can't hear them. But that doesn't seem fair. Well, you know when we can hear from our listeners, Mitzi. Uh, When's that? 
in What's Cooking. Listeners can call in anytime they want and tell us their names and what they're cooking in their own kitchens. That's right! Ah, you hear that, listeners? I can't hear you, but if you want to tell me anything about what you've got cooking up at home, all you have to do is call us at one 888 kids ATK. That's one 888 7285 Golly, I say that like every Monday. How could I forget? Hey, weren't you in the middle of recording the finale right now? Yikes! Gotta go! And that brings us to about five minutes, Molly. That's right. How are those onions looking, Greg? Ooh, they look and smell great, Molly. A little brown. Definitely have softened a bit as well. Awesome. Well, let's move on to our next step for this recipe. Greg, next up we're going to add our garlic. So go ahead and throw in those minced garlic cloves. All right. Garlic is in. That's going to start smelling good super quickly. And now let's also throw in our spices. So you can grab the spice mise bowl here. Ah, the spice girls, you mean, Molly? Sure, the spice girls. Toss those in, too. Okie doke. Hope you all enjoyed the networking opportunity. And the spices and garlic are in. Let's stir that all up so it's all incorporated. And we're going to let this sit for only about 30 seconds. I think what with all the talking we've been doing and the short stalling I'm doing right here with this sentence. Very clever, Molly. Can you smell those spices, Greg? Can I ever? The garlic, too. It's starting to smell very yummy in this pot. We should be about 30 seconds now. All right, well, let's keep this recipe moving. Next up, we're going to add our can of tomato sauce. You can dump that whole can right in there, Greg. And if you want to, you can use a rubber spatula to scrape every tomatoey drop out of the can. Okay. And uh, we've got most of it out of the can now. Well, good enough is uh, good enough, right, Molly? That's right. Go ahead and mix that tomato sauce up with the onions, garlic, and spices and scrape up any brown bits on the bottom of the pan. Mixing. Perfect. Now we are ready to add our chicken. Let's use our tongs for this section. Listeners, it's fine to touch raw meat with your hands as long as you wash your hands afterwards. But just to be extra careful, we're going to use kitchen tongs for this part. I'll tell you why in a moment. But first, use your tongs to add your chicken thighs to your saucepan. You might have anywhere from three to six of them, depending on how big they are. Okay, we've got three, so one, two, And three. All in. Nicely done, Greg. Go ahead and stir them up in the sauce to combine. And for anyone using a vegetarian alternative to chicken with this recipe, you can add your sliced cremini mushrooms or your drained jackfruit now instead of chicken. Stirring. And we're going to let this sit on medium-high heat until the mixture starts to boil. Which it's pretty close to doing already. It's already bubbling and simmering. That's right. It's a pretty thick mixture, so that bubbling is a boil for us. Listeners, if your mixture isn't bubbling yet, go ahead and pause here, and you can start it up again once it is. Go ahead and pause here if you need, listeners. We'll miss you. Or not, because you never left. Or maybe you did, and now you're back. 
either way, let's get to it. Great. Let's reduce the heat now, Greg, to medium-low. Medium-low. Got it. And we're going to cover this saucepan with the lid. Covered. Now what? Now we wait. We're going to wait for about 25 minutes until the chicken is nice and tender. 25 minutes? Golly, Molly, that's a long time. Well, don't worry. We've got a lot of fun stuff lined up for you while we wait. First up, Adelina is back in the scoop to talk to one of the spices in our recipe that we didn't have time for so far in this season. Then, Chad is back to talk about Tinga in Ask a Grown-Up. And I have a very special round of tricky trivia planned for you, Greg. Really? I I I haven't prepared. Don't worry. It's going to be a blast. All that and more is coming right up in our mystery recipe grand finale cook-along. But first, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Hey, grown-ups. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at Kroger.com. Hey, grown-ups! Today I want to tell you all about mangoes, and my friend Carmen Dongo is here to help. Carmen, can you introduce yourself, please? I'm Carmen Dongo. I'm a test cook with America's Test Kitchen. Carmen, I know tons of kids love fresh-cut mangoes as a snack, but dishes with mango are a great way to get kids to try new flavors, too. Can you think of any mango recipes that you think kids would enjoy? I think kids will really enjoy tasting mango lassi. Lassi is a yogurt-based drink that originated in the Punjab region of India. You can also just blend them up into a mango smoothie. For more easy, kid-approved mango recipes, visit mango.org slash mystery recipe. And we're back. About two minutes down, 23 minutes left to go. We don't need to stir the chicken or anything, Molly? Nope, we just want to let it stew. Hey, Molly, didn't you say we should wash our hands after touching raw meat? Why is that? Oh, good question, Greg. Mitzi, care to help us with this one? Well, I would love to. Raw meat, like uncooked chicken, pork, or fish, can have something on it called bacteria. These bacteria are like germs, like tiny things that could make you sick if you eat them. Oh, so cooking the raw meat gets rid of all the harmful bacteria? That's right. But if we touch raw chicken, we might get some of that bacteria on our hands. And so even if we cook that chicken to perfection, if we touch our face or mouth or other foods after handling raw meat, we could still get sick. So we always wash our hands after touching raw meat. It helps to use the tongs to deal with raw meat as well so that bacteria doesn't get on our hands. Amazing. Thanks for all the info, boss. But wouldn't that bacteria get on the tongs too? 
It would, and we are going to use them again a little bit later. So let's take a moment here to wash our tongs before we move on to our next segment. Sounds like a plan to me. I've got that, Molly. Okie dokie. I'm putting some soap here on a sponge and turning on the water here and scrubbing those tongs. Listeners, hi. Just following up on that earlier incident. That was sort of an adventure, huh? Who knew we had so many rooms here? But I did ask around, and that lion lives here on his own accord. He's very happy here, I promise. I will be befriending him later, but from an extreme distance. Okay, these tongs are all set. Back to the show! Great. While we wait, how about we head to our next segment? Hooray! Adelina is back with a special finale edition of The Scoop. Take it away, Adelina. Thanks, Molly. Today I'm here to talk to Cumin. Cumin is one of the spices we'll be using today in our mystery recipe finale that we didn't get a chance to learn more about this season. Thanks, Adelina. (laughs) Hey, it's totally fine, by the way. No hard feelings. So, can I ask you to introduce yourself for us, please? Sure. Well, my name is Jira, and I am Cumin, like you said. And I'm a spice. And what is a spice? Well, you're looking at one. (laughs) A spice is something that gets used to season food. Oh, that's pretty simple. LOL. (laughs) Sorry? Spices are not simple. Spices are way cool. Way cool? Super dope. Mad awesome. Neat. Spices rock. What makes spices rock? Well, it's sort of how we came about, right? Spices are basically poison, which is pretty hardcore. Oh no, we're using spices in this recipe, like, right now. Spices aren't poisonous to people. They're just poisonous to the little bugs or creatures that eat them out in the wild. Explain. So, you kind of heard about this from my man Chip in Chipotle Chili Powder Week. He's doing great, by the way, in case you were wondering, going on some crazy adventures with that seagull. (laughs) But many plants contain chemicals within them that are poisonous to the bugs and critters that eat them. Most spiciness is a defense mechanism in this way. Plants have chemicals within them that kill the bugs that might eat them in their natural environment. These chemicals, cuminaldehyde in my case, aren't poisonous to humans. They just taste really interesting. And so humans end up using them to season our foods? Yeah, it might be a little more complicated than that, though. More complicated how? Well, these chemicals often have a second job within plants, too. They'll naturally fight off fungi or bacteria, making sure the plants don't rot. So, in addition to being poisonous to things that might eat a plant, spiciness also fights off the things that make a plant rot? Exactly! Which lends itself well to one theory about how humans started using spices in food. Way back before refrigerators. And I'm talking way back. In like the 1300s, people would hunt for food to feed their tribes. They might kill a big animal and use its meat to feed everyone for days and days. But that food would rot. It would grow mold and bacteria. It would go bad. Way bad. Yuck. Super yuck, yeah. But people could have started using spices to make their meat last longer. 
they might have realized that if they cooked their meat in these spices, which naturally defended plants from bacteria, it would also defend their meats from bacteria too. And so while these days we just think meat that's been cooked in spices are mad good, it could actually have a long history of keeping food safe to eat. That's so interesting. Right? <laughs> and it gets better. You ever notice how different cultural cuisines have different amounts of spices in them? Sure, food from South America or India might be known for having a lot of bold spices, while food from North America or Europe might not. Exactly. Countries that are in warmer climates tend to use more spices when cooking foods, and people think this is because those countries needed more help preserving their meats. Why is that? Well, one way to preserve meat is by freezing it. That's what most people use today with freezers and refrigerators, but in colder climates, places like Iceland or Poland or England, in the winter, people could preserve their food naturally because it was so cold outside. So colder climates would naturally preserve meats in the winter? Yup. And warmer climates, places like South America or India, may have needed to rely more on spices to preserve their food, since it wasn't cold enough in the winter to happen naturally. Eventually, people from those regions would have gotten used to food with spices and grew to like them. Nowadays, people just use spices like me because they think I'm delish. But exactly how that happened <laughs> goes back a long ways. That's amazing. I didn't know spices had such an interesting history. Oh, we have such a history, Adelina. Someday when we have more time, I'll tell you all about the spice trade. There's a lot to unpack there. Such an important part of history. Well, before we go, do you want to tell us more about you specifically? Well, sure. I'm cumin, and I come from the cumin plant. It's in the family Apiaceae, which means I'm related to like celery, carrots, and parsley. Cumin is native to the Middle East. Cumin is now grown in all sorts of places, though, including India, where I'm referred to as Jira, hence my name. Cumin seeds are used in the cuisines of many cultures in both whole and ground form, though I'm specifically a jar of ground cumin. And ground cumin is what we'll be using in today's recipe. Exactly which are just the seeds of a cumin plant ground up. And they're way cool and super good. Hello. <laughs> well, that's our scoop for today. Cumin is the ground seeds of a cumin plant. Spiciness is a plant's defense mechanism. And spices used to be used to preserve meat. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Adelina. And thanks to Jira as well for all that spice knowledge. Hello! How are things looking over there, Molly? Not sure, Mitzi. We're keeping this pot covered. We've got about 14 minutes left on this, so they aren't done yet. But it's really starting to smell great. How's yours smelling at home, listeners? Yeah, I can't wait for these tacos! Well, we have a bit longer to wait. Hi, friends. It smells super delicious over here. How are the tacos coming? Hi, Chad. They are stewing in their Tinga stew. So fun. Hi, Chad. Are you here for Ask a Grown-Up? That's right. What are we talking about today? 
We'll be talking about tinga, of course. This dish is originally from Mexico, and so I wanted to talk to a Mexican chef all about it. Hey there. How are you? Yeah. Hola. Hello. How are you? Bien, bien. This is Guadalupe Moreno and her daughter, Cynthia. Guadalupe and Cynthia started their own business called Mi Morena, a kitchen in San Francisco, California that specializes in Mexican food. Guadalupe even developed a chicken tinga recipe for a cookbook called We Are La Cocina, which was later adapted by the New York Times. Guadalupe is from Mexico and speaks Spanish, so you'll hear her daughter Cynthia translate for her in this interview. I asked them what they could tell me about chicken tinga. Chicken tinga is a uh, very popular dish from Mexico City. It is basically made of chicken, onions in a chili chipotle sauce. And it's super typical like to like eat it in um, parties uh, in Mexico City. And you normally uh, would eat it in a tostada, which is a crunchy uh, corn tortilla topped with like sour cream and cheese or in a taco form. Guadalupe has been eating tinga de pollo for a long time. She actually tried chicken tinga a long time ago when she was a kid at a party uh, in Mexico City and she really loves the food because it's not only practical but like super easy to make. And like the good thing about it is that you can actually eat it hot or cold. So that's also what's practical about it, right? I mean, in bocadillos, yo ya. She also wants to add also in appetizers. Oh, like what? So basically, same thing like tostadas, tacos, but like in mini mini versions of it. Um, anything that's tiny is just even better than the full size version, right? Always. <laughs> it means that you can have more, right? <laughs> I asked Guadalupe what it was like developing one of her favorite dishes into a recipe for the We Are La Cocina cookbook. For her, it was like a big accomplishment one to like be able to have uh, her own recipe in a book. And just having her own recipe there just means the world to her. And it's easy to make. It can be enjoyed by both kids and adults. And she's just super excited and happy that it's there. Was it a difficult recipe to develop? It wasn't a big challenge uh, to make the recipe just because like, it has been passed on to her from her grandma to her mom to her for many years. And so she already knew uh, like all the steps and ingredients that were for the recipe and she wanted to preserve the recipe. It's been in the family for generations. Uh, it goes back a long time ago, and it has always been uh, in the family. Uh, it has always been present uh, in all the parties, and it's just part of the family, right? It's another member of the family. <laughs> so for her, it's, it's making it with a lot of love and care. Also, doesn't La Cocina mean the kitchen in Spanish? It does. It's also the name of an organization that's based in California. Cynthia told me all about them. La Cucina is an organization that helps um, women of color, immigrants, and uh, women of low income uh, create or start their own business. A lot of the times, uh, women like us uh, don't have a lot of opportunities to start their own businesses. So La Cucina almost like holds her hand to guide us through the process and help us with anything that might come with starting a new business. They really provide... Uh, Anything uh, between like classes and workshops, and they guide you through 
uh, getting the permits and finding a new place for your business. Like for us, it was uh, first a food truck and now it's a small kiosk in the new marketplace. And so what else can you tell me about the cookbook Guadalupe's recipe was included in? We are La Cocina. The book is actually made out of all the participants in La Cocina, um, women, immigrant, uh, women of color who have been in the program for, for years now. And they chose three or the, of their best recipes um, to be showcased on the book. And for her, it's a, a great accomplishment, not only for her, but then uh, people get to like nail foods and creations from like all different parts of the, of the world in the cookbook. Sounds like an awesome cookbook. It really is. Guadalupe is still working with La Cocina, and her restaurant, Mi Morena, just opened in their new marketplace in San Francisco. She would just love, like, you know, like, uh, support from everyone who's listening, you know, uh, not only for her, but for all the businesses that are in the new La Cocina marketplace. So you can try, like, all the foods and, like, get familiar with all the different um, uh, businesses that are there and their culture. More than anything, their stories. La Cocina Marketplace is on 101 High Street in San Francisco, but if you aren't in California, you can learn more about what La Cocina does and show them some support by visiting lacocinasf.org. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Cynthia, Guadalupe, and everyone at La Cocina for their help with that interview. Woohoo! That was amazing! Very cool, Chad. I agree. Understanding the context around a recipe will only make it better, in my opinion. And it honors and gives credit to the folks and cultures who made it. Yeah, what a nice thought there, Molly. Oh, wow. My tummy is grumbling. Um, how are we doing on that cook time, Molly? Well, we have about seven minutes left on these, which is just about perfect timing for another segment. What do you think, Greg? Yes, let's do it. Is it time for Tricky Trivia? It is time for Tricky Trivia! Greg, we normally have a graduation ceremony for our interns, and so while planning yours, we thought what would be the perfect Greg-style celebration? And so, instead of a big ceremony with lots of speeches and inevitable crying from me, we wanted to celebrate how far you've come and all you have in front of you by playing a special round of Tricky Trivia that's all about food science. Really? That sounds amazing. I am so excited to keep studying in order to become a food scientist. I guess that all starts here. It does indeed. So, Greg, we've got some true or false statements here that are related to food science. And you get to help our listeners try to figure out the answer. Are you ready to play? I am ready. All right. Here's your first one. True or false, food science is simply about the chemistry behind how ingredients work together. Alrighty, Molly. I definitely think I can answer that one. It's false. Correct. There's so much more to food science than chemistry, even though that's one really cool part of it. I know. I mean, look, I love the chemistry part of food as much as the next cheese grater. Mix a little baking soda with a little acid and bam! You've got a pretty fizzy chemical reaction going on right before your eyes. And when I bake buttermilk biscuits, I know that's one reason they get so tall and fluffy. But that is just one slice of the whole food science pie. Wow, you're excited about this. 
I really am, Molly, if I'm being honest, but I might need just a smidge of help telling our listeners about the other cool slices of the pie. Sure thing. Food science is a multidisciplinary field, which means it covers more than one type of science. It also includes microbiology, nutrition, and engineering. Oh, can you explain microbiology? My brain is automatically telling me tiny biology, but I don't think that's exactly it. Your brain is automatically on the right track. Microbiology is the study of teeny tiny microscopic organisms that you can only see with a microscope, like bacteria. Food microbiologists study how those microorganisms react to food and work to understand what makes food go bad. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. It definitely is. Okay, on to our last question. Flavorizers is another term for flavor chemists who work to develop duplicate flavors of food, such as making a lemon-lime sports drink taste lemony and limey. Wait, hold on. That's a real job? I don't think I can tell you until you answer true or false. Oh, okay. Uh, True. Please, please, please let it be true. Okay, the answer is false. No! But only the first part. Flavorizer is not another name for flavor chemists, but flavorist is. Oh, that was incredibly tricky trivia, Molly. Excellent work. Now please, tell me more about flavorizers. Flavorists. Right, sorry, flavorists. I got a little excited. I promise I'm paying attention. I'm so happy you're excited. Being a flavorist or flavor chemist is a real job, and it's a tough one. It takes a lot of work. Flavorists need to know the aromas of hundreds of chemicals. They use that knowledge to add flavor to foods. For example, to create lemon flavor in a drink, they might add the chemical citral, which can be found in lemon peel. But they also know that citral isn't stable, meaning over time it won't taste the same. So they have to add more chemicals to round out the lemon flavor and figure out how to balance it out to make it stable so its flavor doesn't change. That's amazing! They're like artists, but flavor artists. I'm not even mad I got that one wrong in Tricky Trivia. I'm happy you were so excited to hear about what flavorists do. Thank you for telling me about what they do. You've got great taste in selecting questions for this segment. My pleasure. You are unnatural, just like I knew you would be. Oh, well, thanks, Mitzi. And thank you, Molly. I have to say that without all your help this season, I would have never known it was possible to become a food scientist. I didn't even realize food science was a thing. Absolutely, Greg, but don't give us too much credit. All you've learned and how much you've grown is almost entirely thanks to you. You are the one who was always looking out for new opportunities, and you really made sure to keep asking until you understood the answer. I don't doubt for a second that you have everything you need to follow your dreams in your heart already, Greg. I agree with them, Greg. Andrea! Aw, it's so good to see you, Andrea. Of course I had to stop in and say goodbye. And Mitzi is right. You are the one making these changes happen for yourself, Greg. You're the one to make your own dreams come true. Golly, Andrea. You really think so? It doesn't always feel that way. Not everyone is as kind and understanding and supportive as you all are. I know, buddy. And I get it. There are lots of different types of people out there. Some will be there to help, and some won't. 
But as long as you believe that you are good enough and that you have what it takes to do whatever it is that you want to do, then you'll be just fine. Plus, you have our phone number, right, Greg? Chad! Hey, buddy. You have our number. And we are always going to be in your corner. So if you need anything at all, you know who to call. That's why it's so important to know who's on your side. Whether it's your friends or your grown-ups, having people who believe in you is really important. And we believe in you, buddy. We do, Greg, but I'm not gonna get sad. Everyone had such nice speeches. Really, Andrea, you're making it hard for me to keep it together over here, but... She's right, and just like we'll be here for you, we'll also be here in general. And so you better come back and teach us some cool new science from time to time. You better believe I will, Mitzi. If there is anything that I think our young chefs need to hear about, I'll definitely come back and tell you all about it. Okay, cool. You better. Sorry, I'm yelling. I'm trying not to cry, and sometimes I just speak very loudly instead. Woo! Molly! What a tricky trivia segment that was! Amazing! It felt like a great send-off for you, Greg. But we're not quite done with the recipe yet. We're not. Those 25 minutes are just about up, though, aren't they? That they are. Let's turn off the heat on the stove. Okie doke. The burner is off. Great. Our chicken should be done cooking. Are you ready to move on to our next step? I am ready. For anyone who's using vegetarian-friendly alternatives, your next step will be a little different. If you are using mushrooms, just hang tight for now. You won't need to do anything until we turn the stove back on in about four minutes. If you are using jackfruit, then you'll want to use a potato masher or a whisk to break up the chunks of jackfruit until it looks like shredded chicken. And then you hang tight too. And for anyone using chicken, it's time to shred. Oh boy! We learned all about this in How To Time During Chicken Week. Ah, oh, did we ever! It's my time to shine, baby! Well, let's go over exactly what we're doing first, Mitzi. Listeners, use an oven mitt to remove the lid. But, Mitzi, would you do the honors? Honestly, Molly, I would be truly honored. Voila! Lid is removed. Amazing. Thank you, Mitzi. Now, Greg, let's use these clean tongs to take the chicken thighs out and let them cool on the cutting board for just a moment. Okie doke. We've got one chicken thigh out. And we're going back for number two. Uh, Come here, buddy. And great. It's number three. All of those chicken thighs are out and cooling. How long should they cool, Molly? Just for a moment, while they do, want to remind our listeners how we shred chicken? Sure thing, Molly. So, listeners, all you have to do is use these two forks to pull the meat apart until it's in bite-sized pieces. Starting at one end of the chicken thigh, put one fork into the piece of chicken, then put the other fork in nearby, and pull the two forks away from each other. And this will tear the chicken, shredding it. I think the chicken's cooling down a bit. Do you want to give it a try? Let's do this. Are you ready, listeners? All right, Mitzi, I think your moment has finally arrived. Do you want to give us some shredding music? Ah, do I ever! Here we go! 
muscle but but like really worth it (laughs) super worth it that was amazing mitzi i didn't know you could shred like that nice job yourself shredding greg listeners if you need more time to shred your chicken thighs feel free to pause this episode here bye unless you are done in which case hi and also if you did pause it and now you are back hi too should we keep going here let's keep going So for this next section, we are going to add our shredded chicken back into the saucepan with our sauce. Go ahead and add all the chicken back in there, Greg, and give it a good stir to get all the chicken evenly coated. Wow, this sauce is really starting to stick to the chicken, Molly. That's one of the reasons why we shred the meat in this recipe. The texture of the shredded chicken has lots of little nooks and crannies for the sauce to stick to. But it's not quite sticking to the chicken the way we'd like it to yet. That sauce needs some more cooking time in order to thicken up. To reduce, right, Molly? Exactly, Greg. 
Anyone cooking mushroom and jackfruit can join back in here. It's all the same now until the end of the recipe. So let's turn the burner back on to medium heat. This time we'll leave the pan uncovered and we are going to stir often every minute or so until the sauce thickens and clings to the chicken. That should take us about 10 to 15 minutes. Huh. There's five whole minutes difference between 10 and 15 minutes, Molly. How would we know when our listeners are done? Well, this time, listeners, we're going to leave this step to you. Remember, stir every minute or so, and when your sauce is looking thick, like it won't run off your taco when you put it all together, then you'll be ready to move on to the next step. Because that's going to be a little different for everyone, please get ready to pause the episode and play it again once your sauce is thick and ready. Take this time for yourself, listeners. Grab a glass of water. Go check in on your beloved household pet. Tell them I said hello. This time is your time. Basically, just make sure someone is still here to stir the chicken. It's partially your time and partially the chicken's time. Okay, bye. Bye for now. Go ahead and pause. Pause now. Wahoo! Do you think they're back now? Listeners, hello! Is your sauce ready? Ours is, so we are back to recording. For us, it took about 12 minutes. How did you spend your time? I gave Oliver some quick cat scratches and a treat. He sends his regards, of course. All right, listeners. If your sauce is ready, then it's time to keep this recipe moving. We are almost done. Greg, go ahead and turn off the heat. The heat is turned off, Molly. Great. Now we are going to use the lime zest and juice we prepped earlier. Let's add both the zest and the juice into our tinga now that it's off the heat, and we'll mix it all up to spread out that citrus flavor. Wow! This is looking amazing! It's almost done! It is! We want to get ready to assemble our tacos, and our first step will be to heat up our corn tortillas. Oh, I know how to do that too! Andrea said that the microwave is the easiest way to warm up tortillas. But they can get dry and sometimes even crack when you fold them around the ingredients. And so, after putting your tortillas on a microwave-safe plate, it's important to cover them with a damp dish towel before microwaving to help keep them moist and flexible so they don't crack. Sounds like a plan. Let's count out eight corn tortillas, Greg. Listeners, this recipe makes anywhere from eight to ten tacos. All right, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Eight corn tortillas. Perfect. Let's put them on this plate here. And here's a dish towel, Greg. Why don't you go dampen it in the sink? Don't forget, wring your towel out after wetting it. It just needs to be a little damp, not wet or soaking. Okie doke. Wetting this towel, wringing the towel, and we're back. The towel, listeners, goes over the tortillas here. And let's pop this in the microwave for about a minute. While those heat up, let's take a second to gather any toppings we want to put on our tacos. Some options are shredded cheese, sour cream, cabbage slaw, anything. I think we're going to use a little shredded cheese and sour cream. 
Now it's a good time to get all your favorite toppings in order and gather your serving plates. There'll be three of us eating here, so I've got three serving plates ready. And there's the microwave, and we are done. Wow, I think mine needs to cool down just a bit, but it looks delicious. I can't wait to take a bite. Me neither. Here's one for you, Molly. And here's one for you, Mitzi. Greg, these came out so good. You're telling me. Cheers, Greg. Let's have a taco toast. Here's to season three and all of this recipe's fun and fantastical ingredients. Taco cheers! Taco, Taco cheers. cheers! Well, we won't keep you from enjoying this delicious recipe any longer. Feel free to finish making up some tacos and add your toppings and have fun with it. Tacos are a great recipe to really make your own. And thanks for joining us for our third season of Mystery Recipe and for participating in our season finale cook-along. We want to see how it went. Feel free to have your grown-up send us a picture of your tacos on Instagram at TestKitchenKids or using the hashtag ATKKids. Or you can email them, too. What was that again, Mitzi? <coughs> Mystery Recipe at America's Test Kitchen. From everyone here on Team Mystery Recipe, we hope you enjoy your chicken tinga tacos and keep, keep on, on cooking. cooking. Yahoo! These came out delicious. Really, Greg? Nice job with these. They're perfect. A little messy, but the good kind of messy. That's the best part. They're super fun to eat and make. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum. And I am a chocolate croissant. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is Eggs Benedict. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a breakfast burrito. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. They are two eggs over easy with a side of corned beef hash. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a Pop-Tart. Our post-production supervisor is Jen Margolis. She's French toast. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is also an omelet. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's two double lattes. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a blueberry pancake. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, Executive Food Editor, Susanna McFerrin. Senior Editors, Afton Cyrus and Ali Velez Aldifer. Test Cooks, Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin. Assistant Editors, Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger. And Assistant Test Cook, Kristen Bango. This recipe was developed by Afton Cyrus. Katie O'Hara was a contributing writer on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Adelina Rodriguez, Kira O'Sullivan and Jonathan Cormer. 
Our third season wouldn't have been possible without the help of Caroline Rickert, Terrence Johnson, Jennifer Kuchiti, Yorgos Sivernides, Gabby Hamanoff, Kelsey Hopper, Megan Bagala, Sarah Young, Stacey Schutzman, Sarah Damaris, Meredith Taylor, and Sarah Domville. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and the National Mango Board. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kits. What lion? grown-ups, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 